Lord spoke to my soul and Sunday night as I was before I ever left the platform and I wanted our pastor to preach but he said no if you've got something I want you to preach and I have something really burning in my heart that I have wrestled with it and wrestled with it for three days now if you'll turn your book to book of Mark, the fourth chapter, verse number 26 through 29. I want to preach tonight of the unconscious growth. You know, uh, I didn't get all this before me one night. You didn't either. Seemed like it just hopped upon us. <laughs> We didn't think it bothered us at all that particular day because we could always slim off the next day but all of a sudden it began to grow. You know it's the beauty of children to, to be born and we want them to stay small for a long, long time. Really we do. want to pamper them and pet them and spoil them and uh, you just want them to stay like that. But you know, it wouldn't be good for them to stay like that because they've got to mature and they've got to, the growth begins to come and, and we wonder why, it just seemed like it was yesterday that they were so little and so small. But it's because of the unconscious growth. Jesus spoke of something here that the Lord began to deal with me Sunday night about it, and I've tried to dig it out. And, and he said, So is the kingdom of, of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, and he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that, the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he put it forth in the sickle, because the harvest has come. God, help us tonight, Lord, we pray, and speak to our hearts. Lord, we ask you, Lord, to touch us, O God, tonight. Anoint thy servant, God, he's unworthy to be anointed. Touch our hearts and be with us, O God, this night we pray. And everyone say in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. He used the word corn. Verse number 28. We're going to be dealing a lot with this. And uh, first of all, I want to deal in the book of Matthew, the 13th chapter, and the beauty that God begins to speak about the seed and the ground. In the 13th chapter, uh, starting with verse number 17, I, I come to you tonight with a very, very burdened heart. I really do. And the fact is that there's no one wants to see revival any more than what I want to see revival. I've given my life to see revival. I want to see revival. But I know that it takes a certain type of growth to bring revival. 
the real revival. Amen. And the Lord began to speak of it here in Matthew, the 17th, 12th, 13th chapter, verse number 17. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see, and have not seen them, to hear those things which you hear, and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. I want you to, I want you to look at some things here. The seed is the identical seed in each particular case of the ground. It was not just a special seed. And this always has bothered me through the years to wonder why that two hearing the same word of God, one responding to it and being convicted of it, and another one just seems like, like water running off of a duck's back and just seemed like it, it can't grasp anything and so quickly to just shed it away. And yet the other, it seems like that they are so thankful for that which they have heard. According to this here, it speaks of approximately one out of four people, actually the, the ground that God would want the ground to be. Lord, I want my ground to be able to be broken up, that you may be able to talk to me. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When one heareth the word of, of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. And that is he which receiveth seed by the wayside. I've heard many explanations of this. I've heard saying that, well, they didn't get the Holy Ghost anyway. And I always ask the question, well, did they talk in tongues? Did they receive the Holy Ghost? If they talked in tongues, they received the Holy Ghost. Who are we to say that they haven't, if, if, unless that the devil himself was speaking through them? They'd received the Holy Ghost. But yet it was a factor of the, the soil, that the, the body to receive that which God hath uh, prepared us for. I want you to look at this. He said, it with, he said here in, in verse number uh, 19, One that heareth the word of, of the kingdom, understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one. I remember when I first received the Holy Ghost, I was, uh, I, I was gullible to a lot of things like everyone else is. And my dad, he questioned me a few days. He said, I want to talk to you a few minutes, son. He said, not everyone that talks in tongues, he said, is like they need to be. And he said, keep your eyes on the man of God and the word of God. And if he gets out of the word of God, we'll find you a man of God that will stay in the word of God. Because the wicked one will cast a seed in you and destroy that which God hath put there. I want to say it like this. God is not looking for a church with a swelling. He's not looking for things that is unclean and so forth for a church number. He's looking for the purity of God's people. And he spoke about the seed here now. I want you to, I want you to stay with me here for just for a little while. But he said, this is the first. But he that receiveth seed into stony places the same as he that heareth the word, and anointeth with joy receiveth it. Yet he hath not root in himself, 
We like to blame it on other people and other things and other avenues. The reason why we cannot, we cannot grasp that which God hath given us. Stay with us here for a while. I'll get warmed up here in a few minutes. But dearth for a while. Like someone coming in and staying a year, two years, and so forth. You think for sure that they would be there forever? But the Bible said that yet he hath not root in himself, but doeth for a while. For in tribulation. I heard a lady many years ago tell me, she said, The reason why I'm backslidden is because I could not take what happened to me. I just couldn't. I just couldn't. I couldn't swallow that. I couldn't. Uh, the Lord knew that. I don't know why he let this come upon me in the first place. Many times the things happen and we don't understand why they happen, but God lets them happen in order to see what we are actually made of. And the Bible says in this particular verse of Scripture which that we we sometimes get so annoyed of that which we hear, we wonder whether if it is the word of God or not. But he said, yet he hath not ruined himself, but dureth for a while, but when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he's offended. Uh, you know, hurt. You know, my, my spirit's hurt. If you haven't been around long enough, you're going to find a lot of hurt spirits around the church. <laughs> and they'll say things like I don't believe that I don't think you have to do that to be saved I don't think that you have to just go like that I mean <laughs> after all I mean who's he to tell me uh, it could be that the Lord would be speaking in the time that you was wondering whether that was really the spirit of God or not but the word I remember there was a lady who left the church many years ago and was preaching one night and, and she let everyone know around. She said, it doesn't say that at all. It doesn't mean that at all. But it did mean exactly what that I said. But they got offended. They got offended. They had a chip on their shoulder and somebody knocked the chip off. It just, oh, I just couldn't hardly stand that. I mean, you know, it's just like Going in the office many times, you find two liars and trying to find out who lied. And you finally end up, they both get mad at you and they both walk out of the church and never come back again. <laughs> they just get offended over nothing. And they're offended because of the word and some of you look like uh, you've been eating uh, briars or something. When I'm saying this, you know, because you've been up and down like a yo-yo yourself got offended because of the words of you heard and and just probably just didn't hardly understand that you know it's hard to understand stay with me we've got a while here to go tonight and the bible tells us tribulation and persecution arises and because of the word by and by they becomes offended and he also that receiveth seed verse number two 22 among the thorns is he that heareth the word the cares of the world. I just don't see what's wrong with... I can't understand why the preacher took a stand on that. <laughs> I don't... I mean, I've been doing this all my life, you know. It was just like... Uh, let me use the story of jewelry just for a few minutes. Before I got the Holy Ghost, I told my wife, I said, 
you're not getting rid of yours. I'll tell you that right now. You're not getting rid of it. And I made her wear it. I mean, after all, I'd worked a long time for a carrot on each hand for her to wear. I spent a lot of hours and so forth and overtime hours and worked mighty hard for her to wear them two uh, full carrots of diamonds on each hand. And, and, uh, but I, when I went to the altar that night and I made up my mind to get the Holy Ghost and, and, I, and I'd already tried to prove to her that uh, there wasn't nothing wrong with it because I went out and bought me a big diamond and put it on my hand also. And, and I was trying to justify some things. And, and as I was praying there, the Lord said, take it off your hand. And I said, uh, uh. And so I did. I took it off and put it in my pocket. Well, I got the Holy Ghost. Well, I got the Holy Ghost and I put it back on, you know. So I reached in my pocket to get the ring and started to put it back on. And I heard a voice of him speak just as clear as any. He said, don't put that back on. Leave it off. And I went upstairs and I told my wife, I said, take them off. I don't care what you do with them. Just, it's okay. It's all right. Did I hear it preached? No. I didn't hear it preached. I didn't hear nobody say anything about it whatsoever because it never, it never bothered me. Probably I would have been offended if they had preached it. Because, but God so beautifully began to deal with my soul. And, and I realized that it was better for me to give up a few things to walk the closeness with God than to keep on with a few things and walk in the, in the faraway distance from God. But the Bible said the cares of the world and deceitfulness Riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. Unfruitful. But he that receiveth seed in good ground is he that heareth the word, understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, bringing forth hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And uh, I want us to... Look at some things here as the Lord began to deal with me about. In Matthew, the 13th chapter, verse number 17, he's speaking about the four types of ground. And we just got to come to the fact that some are just not thankful for what they've got. You'll always find complainers and those that, that just hardly don't understand whatsoever. The devil's the one that brings the unbelief and joy begins to leave and Stony places begin to show up into our life. I mean, it's, it's pretty hard to really separate yourself to pray a little bit once in a while and feel like you can ride it long enough and you don't have to do that. But really you will. You'll have to do that in order to live for God. It's so hard for some people to rid themselves of things. You know, they'd rather put them in the closet and hide it than to be able to. Oh, I'm not, I'm not watching or I'm not a part of it no more, but yet... It's such a convenient thing to be set in the attic or into the closet somewhere and, and uh, just, just in case, you know, that things get hard and just happen may leave the church, you know, and we might get a man that don't preach quite like that. And, and he might say it's be all right. And, um, but the cares and the, the riches of this old world and some people can live for God as long as they're a pauper, you know. I remember... In the old church in 1941, when war broke out, church seated about 300 people, and it was packed to capacity. But people got hungry. They wanted to get a good job, and defense plants opened, and all the ladies went into the rivet machines and began to rivet the airplanes, and, and they did. I'm not, I mean, you know, it wasn't supposed to wear the apparel that appeared to a man, but after all, a woman couldn't work in decency, and 
in a rivet plant, riveting, putting rivets in airplanes and so forth for the Second World War. After all, it is for the war, you know, and, and we need to protect America and we need to do all that we can do, make all kinds of excuses. The church began to, to shrivel up and people began to make the money and sometimes it was easy, you know, back when I was a child that they only made about $18 a week and that's only $1.80 ties and most people only paid about a dollar because they only made between 10 and maybe 12, 13, 14 dollars a week's all they made. And I remember Dad telling me about some of the hard times, and he had a job one time picking uh, green beans and Kentucky Wonder beans. And he said the man gave him a good job. Said he paid him 10 cents a bushel to pick them. Said he could pick 10 bushel before dinner, and he could pick 10 bushel after dinner, plus get a free dinner instead. Things were poor and people didn't have much and they ran to the house of God and God began to deal with them. And a mighty revival broke out because people didn't have anything. They were looking for something that was real. God was real to them. We're living in a day of plenty. We have all that we need. We don't need to ask anybody for anything whatsoever. It was good in the days of old to get a sack of old clothes of some kind. Even though they may have a hole in the knee or maybe a pocket off of the back. Amen. Things were very hard. But now we're living in the day of plenty, you know. We've got our mind made up. We can live like we want to live and go where we want to go. And we don't want nobody to tell us what to do or how to live or how to act. My God, we need to have a prayer meeting in our homes. We need to have a prayer meeting in our church and turn our hearts around and seek the face of God. Go back to the old ways because they're a good way to go, my friend, I tell you. No wonder so many people are dry-eyed and can't pray any longer with tears in their eyes. Their wheel's never been broken. Amen. They live like they want to. They go where they want to. And if they don't like it, they just tell everybody they don't like it. It falls into the categories of the four types of ground. You can be seated. Oh, God, help us to be able to produce. You know, some things that, well, revival should have brought many people to the house of God. I remember our two children were born, and there was quite a distance between our youngest son here, his pastor, that, uh, between the other two. It wasn't that we didn't want a child, we desired to have one, and it was God saw fit to prolong the days and so forth in order for him to be born. And uh, it was God's planning. God's the one that gives the increase in the church. Hallelujah. God's the one who, we're the ones who plant the seed into the heart of people. Amen. And God giveth the increase. I want to look at some things here tonight. Amen. A hungry soul. In Second Kings, a very familiar part of Scripture. I'll get into some things that you never heard preached before in just a little while. But in, in, in uh, Second Kings, the seventh chapter, it tells us of some lepers here that was quite unusual that drawed my attention when the Lord began to deal with me. Amen. And, uh, and it speaks of it that uh, in verse number 8, chapter number 7, and the Bible speaks of us that and when these lepers came to the utmost parts of the camp, they were, they were three, they were four lepers, verse number 3 tells us, that made up their mind that they was going to die if they didn't get some food. If we go back to the camp, 
we starve to death. If we go to the Syrian camp, maybe they'll have mercy upon us and give us something to eat. It took four men to send revival back to the Israelites. It took four men. I wonder what would happen, how the food would be in this assembly, if four would make up their mind to fight against the enemy. Not matter what may come and go, but to go after food. We need somebody to go after food that everybody can eat. Amen. And the Bible said the Lord working with them and the great noise that went with them into the Syrian camp like a great motorcade of some kind. I don't know what kind of noise it was, but God magnified it. You know, if we do our part, he'll always do his part. God will always do our, his part if we'll just do what God wants us to do. But these four lepers changed the attitude of all the camp that they left. It was prophesied by Elisha what was going to happen, that food would be sold in the streets. And there were doubted people that said, no, it'll never happen. It can't happen. We're in famine. There's no way it can happen. But I want to tell you what, God's going to build a church out of a church. He's going to have a bride. Amen. If it's the last thing he ever does, he'll have a bride. And he's going to have a bride full of people that are hungry. Glory. You can be seen. You know the strange part of our life today. We're not, we don't like this and we don't like that. And, and we said, I, I tell my wife, where do you want to go eat at? She said, oh, I don't know. And I said, nothing sounds good, does it? No, it really doesn't because we're just spoiled, you know. We, we expect someone to turn the crank in order for God to do what he needs to do in a service. And we expect uh, unusual things to happen quickly. Amen. Mama, we, got, we got our credit cards and we got our money and uh, we do what we want to do and we, 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 we can seem like turn it off or we can turn it on and nobody's hungry like they need to be in the house of the Lord. Glory. I won't preach to you tonight for a while. Hallelujah. And here we find these four men made up their mind. Four men made up their mind. We've got to have food. What can we lose? If we die, we die. So everybody calls me a fanatic. So what? If you want to die stagnated, go ahead and die stagnated. They mocked told Joseph as he, he had a dream and his brothers saw, Oh, you think you're something super spiritual? You mean the, the, the moon and the sun bowed to you and all the stars bowed to you also? He's just a dreamer. That's all he was. But yet there was something about Joseph that, that God loved. And the Bible said that his father observed him. I want to tell you what the holy God of heaven is observing. Our attitude toward him and his love toward him. Four men changed the whole atmosphere of it all. Four men made up their mind that they was willing to, it don't matter whether we die, we die, we die, we die. Four men made up their mind, amen, that they was going to have some food. Glory. I'm not looking for a troublemaker from some other church to come in, amen, for food. I'm looking for somebody never heard the name of Jesus. Someone that's hungry for God. Not someone you've got to argue with all the time to find out anything about them. But somebody hungry 
Brother, when the food came back to the camp, they didn't say, I don't like beans or I don't like lentils. I don't like this. They were hungry, honey. They wanted to eat. I want to tell you tonight, I want to eat. Amen. I want to pull my chair to the master's table. I want to eat the good things of God. Let's clap our hands to the Lord, everyone. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. I can see one of them saying to the other, what can we lose? When I got the Holy Ghost, I began to pray and seek the face of God. And my kinfolk thought, well, what's wrong with him? You're not supposed to do that. I mean, prophesy? No, 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 no. That's just for... No, that's the spirit realm. That's for others that's not for for us and so many people in the world is especially men of God are afraid to walk out into the depth of the Spirit of God to receive that which God has promised us and said that we could have but I want to I can't get away with these four men for just for a few minutes they were four men and one looked at and said what about you you want to sit here and die I said no I don't want to die Glory. I remember a brother telling me just a few days ago, he said, uh, his relative said, I don't want to die. I know I'm dying, but I don't want to die. There was a lady we prayed for the other night that had cancer, and, and her story was, I don't want to die. I want to live. And we don't want to die. There's not a person here. If you say, well... You ready to go to heaven? You want to go right now? He said, no, I believe I'll go on the next load. Not this load, but the next one. I don't want to die. We all like to eat the good things of God. We can't wait to get into this new sanctuary to sing the songs of Zion, to look at the beauty of it, but nobody wants to die. Glory. We want someone else to foot the bill. We want someone else to take the load. We want someone else to do our praying. We want someone else to do our fasting. We want someone else to do it. But I do want to eat though when the food comes. I remember, you can be seated, I remember in early years of my life, there was one man that always amazed me. And a lot of people thought he was a prayer warrior, and I felt a little different myself, but he was always where the shout was at. If there would be three or four circles of people praying, and if he was in a place that seemed like it was a dry run, well, his eyes were always looking. And then finally he'd hightail it over there where that fire was at, he thought. And he'd be there. And as soon as it died down, he'd go back to some other place, you see. What he was doing, he didn't want to call no fire down himself. He just wanted, to, he just wanted some of that to rub off on him. And that's the way some of us are. We just want some of it to rub off on us. Hallelujah. These four lepers, these four lepers, they made up their mind, so I die. So they kill me. We can ask for food. And you know the, the most beautiful thing about God was working with them. I'd go out and witness, Brother Davis, but I just don't know what to say. I talked to a man today. <clears throat> He says he's going to come. I mean, a highly educated man. And, and 
I said, uh, I want you to come to church with me. I'd love for you to come with me. And I began to talk to him about the Lord. And he said, you know, he said, uh, the church I go to, he said, uh, he said, it's just like a, I guess a lodge of some kind. He said, they don't want nobody else to come in. He said, they're satisfied with what they got. And he said, you know, he said, they just like to have a little social meeting. He said, said they, don't, they, they really don't want no increase. They don't want it to grow. And some of you don't want it to grow, but I'll tell you what, God's going to let it grow. It's going to bust out at the seams, my friend. I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. We want it to grow. If it doesn't grow, it becomes stagnated and dies. It's got to grow. It's got to increase. It's got to go ahead. We've got to give. We've got to pray. We've got to seek God. We've got to see revival or we'll die. Oh, hallelujah. You can be seated. We have no choice. We have no choice. These four men said, we don't have a choice, really. We're dying. Amen. Don't you realize that you die into a state if you don't reproduce glory? Hallelujah. Like my brother-in-law, he said, I want a boy. Four times he tried to get a boy, but he got a girl. My sister said, forget the boy. Forget your name going on. The name's got to go on. Holiness has got to go on. The church has got to go on. We got to have revival. And it's got to break out in us. Hallelujah! I feel the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. I feel the anointing of God telling me to tell you, we've got to have food. We've got to have revival. Amen. You can be seated. The four men said, hey, we're going to die. I don't know about you, but my, my stomach's swollen with starving. It's got hunger pain in it. Amen. Doesn't the Bible tell us that he that hungereth and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled? I got to go on here tonight. Amen. Glory. It's time for us to go into the enemy's camp. I'm not ashamed of this gospel myself. For it's the power of God and the salvation. We've got to go in and possess in the enemy's camp. We've got to break that wall that he's talking about. Grab us an old sinner out there somewhere. Bring him to the altar and pray him through. Hallelujah. You can be seated. You say, that's hard to do. Well, what are you doing here? You telling me you was an easy mate to come to this place? You're just like I was. You look for every fault in the world to stay out of the place. But all of a sudden, something got a hold of you. All of a sudden, the real Holy Ghost, the real Holy Ghost got a hold of you. You couldn't, you didn't matter what was going on, but you had to have what they had. 
somebody prayed the prayer of faith, walked into the enemy camp, grabbed me, amen, said, hey, you're going to the house of God. You can be seated. These four lepers went into the enemy's camp. We're hungry. And you know, to their surprise, when they got there, they never even had to raise their fist. They didn't have to have a bow and arrow. They didn't have to have any kind of a gun of some kind. They had another one. God working with them. God working with them. And God wants to work with us. God wants to work with us. He wants to show His glory in this assembly. He wants to open our hearts and show us His love. Amen. And everyone say praise the Lord. I want to go back to the text. In the book of Mark, the fourth chapter. This, this thing got a hold of me. The unconscious growth. You know, many years ago, we was in a very, very long revival. This church was. About 17 weeks altogether. I was reaching for the moon and the stars and everything it had to possess. I just knew it wasn't because it seemed like it, I, I wanted to see it happen. I was willing to, to give, sacrifice, do whatever we had to do in order to see it. And I went home. I'll never forget I went home one night. And I said, God, I'm not going to leave you alone until you talk to me. I want, I want to see this revival. I want to see revival. You promised revival. And I want to see revival. And I want to know why I can't have revival. And I prayed. And we prayed. And we continue to pray. Time slipped by. I don't know how long it was, but it was a long, long time went by. And finally I heard a familiar voice. And this is what the Lord said. The revival that I sent to you will be the unconscious growth. You don't know where it come from because I'll send it. It'll come on one on Wednesday night, one on Sunday morning, and one on Sunday night. It will not be for one man to get a name out of a revival, but I'll send the revival that I want sent to the church. The unconscious growth. Nobody gets any glory. Nobody gets any name. But it's one-on-one. -on -one. All of a sudden you wonder where everybody come from. It's because one here, one there, one here, one there, one here, one there. Hey, just because revival's over. Amen. God promised this church revival of the unconscious growth. Amen. I'm going to hang to it. I'm going to die by it. He said, I'll send one on Wednesday. I'll send one on Sunday morning. I'll send one on Sunday night. I'll fill your church with the unconscious growth. Hallelujah. Quit looking around and being sad and despair. I'm here to tell you that God gave you a good seed. You're good seed. Hey, but all we've got to do is go out and get somebody. Woo! Glory! Let's lift our hands and love the Lord together, everyone. Let's love Him. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
You can be seated. You know, when I began to think this verse of Scripture, and he said, So the kingdom of God is as a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring up growth, he knoweth not how. I remember as a small child and helping Dad plant the seed and so forth in the gardens, and his very large gardens, because that was our food for the year. And we would seem like walk to the garden at least once every day to just check, see how if the, if the corn was coming up or the beans were coming up, how the tomato plants were doing, and and all of a sudden you begin to see the sprouts, and and you you so thankful to see it happen. I come from a family that raised a lot of corn, and they lived on a lot of corn. My, my grandfather thought that corn was the, on my mother's side, was one of the most greatest things that there was. And in fact, uh, according to history, that America raises over 40% of all the corn in the world. And, uh, but I used to watch my granddad with corn and on my mother's side. And uh, my grandmother would plant flowers around the house and he'd plant corn around the house. <laughs> of course, the corn overruled the flowers, you know, and, and it was field corn that he raised, and, and uh, if I'm lying, I'm dying. I mean. He had uh, the most unique way of raising corn. He, he had a little old street fair downtown every year where they put some tables together, and put the increase of fruits, tomatoes, and who had raised the biggest tomatoes, and who had got the greatest, biggest ears of corn, and, and uh, all different kinds of cucumbers, you name it, all the fruit, and then he had some stables and so forth for the cattle, and didn't cost nothing to go, just walk down the street and look for yourself, and he had some judges there in the city, and they judged the, the corn and all the other things and apple butter and who can made the best apple butter and who made the best jellies and all the other things and make some of you hungrier in a minute. And uh, but uh, Grandpa was kind of an unusual man. He he uh, had the uh, the largest. He always got first prize, second prize. It'd make him angry if he got second prize, but he'd always won first prize. He had ears of corn that was like that, and uh, I don't know of any I ever saw any less than that size and length. And, and, uh, and he would, uh, after he would get his prized possession, well, he'd make sure that he hung them up in the cellar and let them go to seed, and where he'd get his seed corn, and uh, to be able to plant the next year to put a little bit more fertilizer and so forth in it in order to win the prize again. And so here we find that. Of all the fruit that the Lord speaks about, the vegetables, he, he spoke of the corn. Of the place he spoke, uh, he said, a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dieth. It abideth alone, but if it dieth, bringeth forth much fruit. But he spoke here in this particular instance of the unconscious growth of the corn. And I started doing some research, and, and um, I wanted to, uh, to see about the different things of that. And uh, 
it's, it's a part of the plant family, the grass family, the corn is, and, and, uh, and the plant that possesses the corn is both male and female. I didn't know this. The male flower are the born in the tussle, the tussle, the top of the corn. And at the top of the stalk, the, the female, and is the cluster, or called the cob. The corn is silk hanging from the husk, and we all know what that's like, of each cob are pollinated receptacles. Each silk must receive a grain of pollen in order for the fruit to grow. Each, each cob contains eight or more rows of the kernels, and every stalk of corn produces between one and three cobs to grow on each stalk, and is one of the world's greatest important crops. Forty percent is made in the United States. Now, I want to talk about some other things here. Some seeds that are, they just, uh, the birds plant them and take them far away. And uh, I remember in the backyard of the old home place, there's a, uh, a sugar tree that, a uh, uh, mighty big sugar tree. Dad set it out when he, was a, when he first moved there, and it was just, a, he could just a, about the size of a broom handle. And the last time I saw it was about that big around. And, and that thing would cast seeds for, Miles and miles and miles had little wings on them like and they'd go through the air. I remember as a young man helping dad clean the, the gutters and so forth out of the spouting and, and trees galore would come from that sugar tree and, because it would germinate. But it doesn't happen with an ear of corn. It don't work that way. The ear of corn is different and that's the reason why the Lord spoke about it in the book of Mark. He said the unconscious growth. And he spoke, he said, For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after the full corn in the ear. Amen. But when the fruit is brought forth immediately, he put it to the sickle because the harvest is come. Each of them contain eight rows at least of kernels in the ear of corn. And uh, it does not grow on its own process. Now this is what I want to preach about for a few minutes. Corn does not grow on its own process. It's got to be taken from the stock. It's got to be put up and dried. Amen. And then after it's dried, I've done it many times, it's just taken my hands like that and, and shuck the kernels off. Only after it is completely dead, dry, not worth anything whatsoever. You will never be worth anything in God until you die. You got to die in order to live. You can't re reproduce because God won't let you reproduce. He wants you dead, my friend. Hallelujah. And here's what I'm trying to tell you. An ear of corn fall off of the stock into the ground. It will not reproduce. It will not become active. And just because of our haphazard way, we might win one here, one there. Amen. But I'm here to tell you that there's a process. Amen. For the seed to die. Amen. We got to die in order for it to live. And that's what the Lord began to deal with me of the unconscious growth. Amen. A corn of seed of corn has to be shriveled up. Amen. It has to completely be dead before it's put into the ground, before it can produce the stock that it needs to produce. I want you to look at some things here. Amen. Does corn 
grow on its own process? No. I read an article said that corn was literally unknown until 1492 when he discovered America and began to plunge the world. And I told my wife, I said, but Jesus spoke of corn. And when I was praying, the Lord spoke to me, said there was corn in Egypt. Don't you remember? There was corn in Egypt. Jesus did not use an illustration of something that was not there. But he took the value of dying in order to reproduce. And he used the corn. I want to go just a little farther here. Corn comes in different colors. You've got to be kidding. White, yellow, and black. Now, isn't that strange? Three different colors. White, yellow, black. Could it be represented as Shem, Ham, and Jetham? Of the nations that came out of, out of the ark, out of Noah's ark? Different kinds. Now let's go a little farther here. I want you to look at this here for a few minutes. There's six kinds of corn. One is called the dent corn. And uh, that, what that corn is, it's got a little dent in the top of it when, it when it dries out. One's called the flint corn. And of course, you can represent the flint with hard corn, very hard. And you know, corn gets in the most unusual places. I think this is quite funny. I was eating some applesauce the other night, and something. And how that little grain of corn got in there, I don't know. Hard as a rock. It was ready to be planted. It was dead, my friend. I want you to know it was. And so we're talking about the flint corn. That's the second kind. And popcorn, that's the third kind. And then the flower corn, and the sweet corn, and the pod corn. But every one of these seeds has got to die in order for them to be as they need to be. I want you to read, if you would, Song of Solomon, if you would, just for a minute, the fourth chapter, verse number eight. And then we're going to go into Ezekiel, the 17th chapter, one through six. Fourth chapter of Song of Solomon, verse number eight. There's a word by the name of Lebanon, and I uh, I tried to figure out what was God speaking about Lebanon in the Bible. It's North Palestine, uh, mountainous areas of uh, very rigid, high parcels of land. And uh, history tells us, I got one of Dad's old books that I got from him when, after he died, I, I found it and I brought it home with me and made back in the 30s, this real old book, and only where I could find the information that I wanted. And it spoke about Lebanon being the snow-covered mountains of mostly cold and dispensation. So when, the only thing I can figure out is when he spoke about Lebanon, he spoke about coldness, snow, and uh, the majority of the year that he spoke of Lebanon. Go ahead, read 
Song of Solomon, if you would, the fourth chapter, come verse number eight. Come with me from Lebanon, my spouse, with me from Lebanon. From Lebanon, all right. Look from the top of Amana, from the top of Shanir, and from Hermon. What he was saying was, come away from the trials and the coldness of the world. I was trying to witness to the neighbor last night and water in the yard and, and I was trying to talk to him a little while and, and I was telling him about building a new sanctuary and then he asked me the question. He said, how long have you been married? He wanted to question me, my capability, whether I was really a preacher or not. And I said, 43 years. Whoo, he said, that's a long time. I said, no. I said, I had one before that, but she died. She was murdered. And I said, oh, he said, I... I, I 43 years. He said, I was watching on television. Did you see such and such? I said, sir, I said, the last time I had a television in my house was 1965. I've never watched one. Don't care anything about it. They're the root of enemy of the devil. I said, I have nothing to with. I, I have nothing. I can't tell you anything about it. He said, you mean you hadn't had one since 65? I said, you're absolutely right. I have no desire to have one. I don't want one. And I'll never have one. Amen. If you've got one, you better get rid of it because you're going to be lost, my friend. Solomon wanted to bring him a woman out of Lebanon. He wanted, you can be seated. He wanted to bring her out of the coldness of the world. I want you to turn to the book of Ezekiel, if you would. Chapter number 17. And the verses do 1 through 6. The Lord began to deal with me about this. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, All right. Son of man, put forth a riddle. Yes. And speak a parable unto the house of Israel. All right. And say, Thus saith the Lord God, A great eagle with great wings, long-winged, full of feathers, which have divers colors, came unto Lebanon, and took the highest branch of the cedar. He cropped it off the top of his young twigs, and carried it into a land of traffic, he set it in a city of merchants. He took also of seed of the land, and planted it in a fruitful field. He placed it by great waters, and set it as a willow tree. And it grew, and became a spreading vine of low stature, whose branches turned toward him, and the roots thereof were under him. So it became a vine, and brought forth branches, and shot forth sprigs. All right, I want you to go back over in just a few minutes. Verse number three, it tells us the cedar tree. It speaks of it that thus saith the Lord God, a great eagle with great wings, long wind, full of feathers, which had divers colors, came unto Lebanon and took the highest branch of the cedar. Now I want to tell you something. God has a unique way of calling some people to do something for him. He looks with someone with a statue of purity inside. Morality, number one. And the Bible says, verse number three, And he took the highest branch of the cedar. He chopped off the top of his young twigs and carried it into a land of traffic and set it in the city of merchants. What is he talking about? What is he speaking about here? What he's saying, that he went to Lebanon, God did, and went into the highest of the cedar trees and cut the top of it off and took it to a place that would be different. Come on, 
God brought you to this church to be different. Amen. He brought you out of a cold, stagnated world out there, full of filth and idolatry. Amen. Full of adultery, full of infeminence. Amen. Full of the cares of the world and brought you into a holiness church to love Him and to worship Him. Hallelujah. You can be seated. He chopped off the top of his young twigs and carried into the land of traffic. He took it to a place, amen, and God brought you to Dallas, Texas, amen, where you can have a good job, amen, where you can go where you want to go, live like you want to live, amen, but the church house, it's an open door, amen, to the enemy of the world, amen, that we can have revival as we've never had before. God brought you here. God brought us here. It wasn't the devil. God brought you here. God brought you out of cold Lebanon. God's the one that brought you out and set your feet into a one God holiness church. Don't you ever forget what God's done for you. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel like preaching for a while. Hallelujah. God went to Lebanon and cut him a tree off and planted it. You can be seated. Read verse number four, son. I'm going to preach with it as you go. And he cropped off the top of his young twigs. All right. Carried it to the land of traffic. All right. And set in a city of merchants. He, he took also the seed of the land. He took the seed of the land. And planted it. He took it. a seed of the land. Hold it right there for a while. He took a seed that was well tired of what the ways of the world was. Hey, when God saved my soul, he dragged the bottom of the pit. Amen. He drugged the very drugs of hell. Amen. When he saved my soul, and I'm here to tell you, I'm going to praise him all the days of my life. I'm not going to sit around and be discouraged. Amen. I'm going to tell you, there's a revival in the land. There's miracles. God's going to raise the dead in this place. Amen. He's going to stop the dead ears. Amen. I want you, he's going to open the blinded eyes. Amen. We're serving a God that can do it. You can be seated. He took the seed. He took a seed. There's no use planting an ear of corn that the grain has not dried and withered to the fullest extent. Glory. Go ahead, son. And planted it in a fruitful field. And he planted it in a place that was fruitful. A place that... Now, there's a difference between being planted and blown in. There's a whole lot of difference in it. Yes, sir. Sometimes birds carry a seed and plant it. And it's always planted where you don't want it. Grass all over my yard's dying. But up beside the garage, there's a tree growing. Right beside the foundation. Right where I don't want it. But God said he planted it. He brought you here and planted you. Turn around to somebody say, I'm planted. I'm not just a has-been. I've been planted. 
Turn to somebody and say, my feet is here to stay. We're going to have revival. Turn to somebody, we're going to have revival. I don't care what the devil says. Hey, we're planted. This is the seed that God planted in the church. Hallelujah. And all hell can't drive you away. Woo. Glory. When you're planted in something, you're there to stay, honey. Glory. You're going to be seated. Things you plant, you take good care of. I planted two oak trees in my front yard probably 10 years ago. And I noticed this year one of them, some of the limbs are drying. Looked like it wants to die on me. And I'll tell you what, I really put the water on that one. Because I planted that tree. I don't want it to die. And I give it extra abundance of water. In fact, there's been so much water on that tree that all the grass around it is just as green as green can be because I put the water to the tree. Mm. <laughs> and because you're here, God's going to water you. God's going to water the plant. He's going to set you like a tree that's planted by the water. He said, I will not be moved. Amen. There's a difference of being dropping in and being planted. God saw you in a cold old dead church and he brought you out and he planted you into a strong holiness church that you might produce fruit, my friend. We're not defeated, the devil is. Revival's not over, honey, it just started. It's going to be the unconscious growth. Mm. You can be seated. My Lord and my God. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Number five. Read, son. He placed it by great waters. Great waters. My Bible tells me that in the midst of what God's planted, He always puts a well. <laughs> a well of living water. Mm. There's something about that well. I'll tell you where it's at. It's around the altars. It's there. You can get a good glass full anytime you want to. Have you ever noticed there's no water like the water that comes out of that fountain out there? Every church I've ever been in, there's nothing like the water fountain. It's good, cold, beautiful, clear water. Hallelujah. And when you get into a real old-time holiness apostolic church, I'm going to tell you what, you're going to find a well there. That you can go and get all the water that you need. Hallelujah. Glory. I'm thankful that God brought me out of a dead, cold church. 
and planted me in something that was real. That is a fire. And put me by sand some water where I can get something to drink. Amen, 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 amen. And place it by great. Everyone say great. We just happen to have the title greater. I'll never forget after I first come here. The story went around. Some of the preachers said, when did he become greater? I said, you tell every one of them when Davis walked in. We're not going to take anything off of the devil or what the devil has to offer. I come here to have revival 25 years ago. It's still here. We're not going to be defeated. Amen. We're going to have revival. It's going to come through good seed planted in the house of God. Glory. Everyone say praise the Lord. You can be seated. Planted in a fruitful field. He placed it by great waters. And he set it as a willow tree. What's you talking about a willow tree? When you can walk home and get in the old easy voice and I love you, Lord. Let the wind blow. Sitting under a willow tree. Happy. Content. Peaceful. No cares. Glory. Amen. Like the man said, I don't care if the world turns and makes a flip-flop. So I hear. No matter to me. Put you under a willow tree. A peace. Peace, peace. Wonderful peace. That's what God gives the church when He puts you into a place where there's a well. Like someone told my wife this week, said everyone in this church needs to visit where they was at. It's so dead and plucked up at the roots. Then you realize what kind of a well that's actually here. Hallelujah. All right, you ready to shout now? Read verse 6. Stand to your feet, would you? Help me preach a little while. And it grew. And it what? Grew. Oh, it's going down. It grew. The Bible said it grew. I don't care what anybody said. It's growing. <laughs> oh, that devil tell you anything. It's going to grow. Turn to your neighbor and say, the church is going to grow. Church is going to grow. Tell somebody else. Church is going to grow. Now mean it with your voice when you say it. The church is going to grow. I'm going to help it grow. Tell it. I'm going to witness. I'm going to get on fire. I'm going to die. I want to see the church grow. Woo. Woo. Glory. You can be seated. Read. And became a spreading vine of low stature, whose branches turned toward him. Done what? It, the branches turned toward they him. They turned toward him. You know, we just haven't got hardly enough sense to not just <laughs> love you, Lord. Love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. What did he do? He brought us out of Lebanon, out of an old, cold, dead church. 
out of an old sacrilegious church. Brought us to the place, planted us in the house of God. They've been with their hands toward Him and loving Him. Devil, you're a liar. I just want to tell you, you're a liar, devil. Mm. Woo! Mm. You can be seated. I want you to go back up and read verse 6 again. Start it. And it grew. All right. All right, now go ahead. And became a spreading vine of low stature, whose branches. Whoa, 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 whoa. Of what kind of statue? Of low stature. The poor, the needy, brokenhearted. Mm -hmm. Low stature. Some people ain't got enough sense to get out of the rain, but they got enough sense to go pray. Hey, we're not trying to wear, wear medals and low stature. Nobody don't know anything hardly about this church. Glory. Low stature. I want to talk about low statues just for a few minutes. You can be seated. I want you to think about this for a few minutes. We're not here to try to be the big brother on the block. Low statue. I told my wife, I said, have you ever prayed for me? You need to pray for me tonight. I feel like I can't do it. I feel like it's impossible to do it. Poor people. People. Brokenhearted people. People of low statues. These dignified lawyers and attorneys and bankers, and all, they won't raise their hands to worship God. They've got too much pride in them. But you take a person that's just the average person and poor person, they ain't got enough sense to just go on and say, Woo! Glory! Praise God. And I'm not trying to tell you that you're that type of a person. But he said he'd build a garden of low stature. Mm. Now some of you have never cracked a smile since I've preached yet. You better learn how to smile because your face will get frozen in that position. Amen. Read. Spreading vine of low stature. Whose branches turn toward him. Oh, we just ain't got enough sense. Just love him, worship him. Go ahead. And the roots thereof were under him. Mm. Go ahead. So it became a vine and brought forth branches and shot forth sprigs. It brought forth branches, shot forth sprigs. I remember I had a man, old brother, help me here one time many years ago. He come up to council with me, and I was cutting a tree out. Had had my chainsaw, and it started to rain. He said, "Brother Davis, he said it's time to quit, isn't it?" I said, "You afraid of the rain?" He said, "You mean you're going to work in the rain?" I said, "Rain won't hurt you." Chips of dust went all over him, all over his head, his hair, ringing wet, and I was ringing wet, and we was handling lumber and tree stumps and things and after about three hours we had it all taken care of he walked away and he told one person he said never will I ever come up to church on daylight hours where brother Davis is up there again he don't have enough sense really to get out of the rain glory 
I just don't have any more sense, Lord, just to worship him and love him. Glory. And the corn cannot reproduce. And this gospel cannot reproduce. This is what I want to bring to you. We cannot possess the world and do what we need to do with the world to see revival. Because the corn doesn't fall off of the shock, the cob, and fall to the ground and reproduce. That ear of corn's got to be put in some of horse dry. Trials, troubles, and let it dry. Oh, I can relate to that. I've seen it happen many times. You know, we today, we go to the store and said, Give me a pound of corn. I want to sow some corn. Wasn't like that back in Depression days when I was born. Dad would find half a dozen ears of the best, prettiest corn that he had. And he had taken, drive some nails in the old shed in the garage and hang the corn up. Dad, these are good ears of corn. What are you wasting them for? No, Dad, I said, son, I'm not wasting them. I'm putting them up to seed. We'll plant these next year. And they'll grow into beautiful corn. How many kernels is in a ear of corn? Could we say a hundred? A hundred kernels in an ear? Jesus spoke that a hundred... 60, 30. I believe what he was speaking about that plenty of kernels in the corn. And here we have the most greatest, most beautiful salvation in all the world. One that will deliver us from the things of this world. And we're so content and we're so happy. I don't want to share it with nobody else. I'll never forget that man today. He said, Brother Davis, he said, my church is like a lodge. They really don't want nobody else, so they just have their meetings and have their services. And He said, really, he said, it's bad. He said, they don't want nobody else, just themselves. I said, you need to come to an old-time church service. He said, what time's your service on Wednesday? And I said, why don't you come Sunday night? I look for him this Sunday hundredfold I wonder what would happen if every one of the sound of my voice would make up their mind to win just one soul focus on one soul to win there wouldn't be room to sit in this building if everyone just won one soul and the Lord gave me the song that I told Sister Mills I want you to sing I want her to sing the song and we'll give the altar call. Sing it, would you? There are men with ambitions. They seek wealth and fame. But I've won and only one goal to obtain. Just 
just one, just one star in my crown, Lord. In my crown. Lord, I don't expect to win the world, but just can I have a star? Can I win one soul, God? Just one soul, God. Would you lead me to one soul, God? Would you let this ear corn, this kernel die? Lord, let the world see something in me, God. Oh, God, help us, Lord. Shall we stand? Let's stand, everyone, would you? Till I'm foot sore.